Hello and welcome to episode 191 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson. With me is Nathan Fox in Los Angeles. How's it going? Yeah, man. <laughs> Fine. We're uh, sorry uh, to the listeners. We're both suffering from uh, allergies on our respective coasts. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be a stuffy sounding show. Well, I was kind of blaming my upbringing this morning because it was, uh, I don't get allergies, but I've been getting them here in Virginia. And I was like, I wonder if it's because I grew up in California in like the desert, but you have them there. So I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, we're having like the super bloom here in, in California, you know, we got a pretty big rain year. Is that what it's called? Yep. That's what they call it. Cause we, you know, we, we go through droughts, right? We have a, a feast or famine with the rain and it rained kind of a lot this winter. And, um, so it's beautiful. I mean, just everywhere in California is blooming. Yeah. Like every, everything is blooming everywhere. And um, <laughs> so like, you know, my hike that I yeah. go up into Griffith Park right here, it's like five foot high grass, you know, all it just full bloom oh. <laughs> grass and flowers and shit. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I, it shouldn't be any surprise that I'm getting hammered. Yeah. Well, speaking of blooming, I mean, this happens, I guess, every year in Virginia, but because um, it rains so much out here. But I can't yeah. see my neighbors anymore. Like just two weeks ago, I oh. could see them all, <laughs> yeah. and now because it's just jungle yeah. between you and them. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. But yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, no. It's, it's Are the kids nice. getting it too? The kids having allergies too? Um, you know, some of them do, and some of them don't. And the the ones that are the oldest gets allergy shots, and supposedly they help. And maybe oh wow maybe I should do that I don't know <laughs> yeah it's uncomfortable anyway what are we going to talk about on the yeah. show today yeah so today we have a question about preparing for law school hmm interesting we're going to tackle a game from the June 2007 LSAT game two that'll be fun and then we're going to have a peek behind the law school curtain also I just couldn't help myself I had to go find some negative reviews for us to review <laughs> and so we'll talk about those at the top of the show Perfect. Perfect. Um, before we get into that, remember you can email the show help at thinkinglset.com. Also remember you can listen to us not only on Spotify, but Apple podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, uh, thinking LSAT, uh, all sorts of different places. We had a little technical difficulties the last couple of days cause we're transitioning to a new website. So the back catalog apparently went missing off of Spotify. Um, there's only like the most recent 10 episodes on Spotify right now. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, And anyway, we're going to fix it all, but uh, just bear with us. I also wanted to um, take a moment to really thank the LSAT demon users who are hitting that ask button. It's critically important that you ask your teacher for help. And so if there's something, if you encounter a question in the demon that you don't understand, um, we would love to explain it for you. I'm super excited about writing an explanation for every single logical reasoning question ever. But I have gotten over the last couple of weeks, we got so many requests that I'm just behind. And so, yeah, how many I'm are you really getting sorry. a day? Like I, I, I get the emails too and I don't, <laughs> I have other <laughs> demon stuff to work on. So I haven't been uh, tackling those like you have, but geez, like 30, right? Yesterday or something crazy like that? Yeah, it's it's dozens. It's been dozens every day for the past like week. So I, I got pretty well buried. I, I made a nice 
I did a nice chunk of them yesterday, but I also emailed everybody who had, who had hit the ask button. And I just said, Hey, listen, um, I'm working my way through these. I promise I'm going to get to them. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for asking these questions. Um, I'll get to them as soon as I can, but I'm, I'm running right now, like five days behind. So that's actually not that bad. If you think about how many requests have been coming in. Um, but I, I will get to you. I promise. Um, just keep hitting the ask button. It's, I did some math, Ben, and it's, it's going to be like over a million word writing project for me to write a written (laughs) explanation for every (laughs) logical reasoning question. So it's going to take a couple of years for me to do that. But, um, I've never been so excited about, uh, writing for the LSAT. So it's, it's great. It is fun. It's fun to write for those, especially for logical reasoning. Cause they're short. So it's a defined set, right? It's like you can start and finish in a sitting and they're kind of fun to break apart, especially these old ones. We've talked about a few of the older questions and how they're just like the recent ones, but it's cool to see stuff that we haven't ever seen before. Yeah, they're shockingly similar. It's the exact same shit. I mean, it's like confusing sufficient for necessary, confusing correlation for causation, incomplete arguments, you know, where you can just totally predict it. Mm-hmm. The must be true questions are exactly the same. It, it, there's, it's just really hasn't changed very much. But um, yeah, the writing, the writing prompts, it's amazing because there's a student behind it, right? There's like a real human who said, hey, I would like help with this question. Yeah. And so then it's just like, oh, well, it's my pleasure to do that. Like, I, I want to do that for you. It makes me really happy to do that for you. So um, I'll, I'll get to it. But uh, you might, there's a bit of a cue right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what prompted me to go to the reviews on iTunes the other day, but I went there and there are very many five-star reviews and that's very flattering and I appreciate everyone taking the time to tell us what they like about the show. But I I wanted to find the ones that weren't as happy. And I found a a three-star review and I found a one-star review. And I thought I'd start with this three-star review. Actually, well, do you want to read this? I thought this was interesting. Yeah. Sure. Um, So the headline was, so it was three stars and the headline was good to get motivated. It says, I used to listen to this podcast all the time. It was really good for someone who didn't really know where to start. However, after listening for a while, episodes got repetitive. The podcast is hosted by two guys who went through law school and never really practiced. They are very adamant about spending very little on law school and highly discourage students to pursue law. The more I listened, the more I saw the podcast as a nicely packaged marketing strategy used to promote a business. I appreciate the podcast for what it is, but I highly recommend listening with the mindset of these are people who never really practiced law looking to sell me a product. Um, so <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this because um, I feel like we try as hard as we can to say it how it is. So this is true. We do discourage people from going to law school because so many people go for the wrong reasons. But at the same time, clearly we love to talk to people who want to go to law school for the right reasons, because that's how we make money. And we also do encourage people to take our classes, but I think we primarily do so because 
we believe that the LSAT is the most important factor that you can control right now. And we believe that we offer help in a way that most other companies don't. So I don't know what else to say. I mean, maybe that's capitalistic or selfish or something, but it's my honest advice. Like if I were talking to myself, I would say, okay, if you really do want to go, which might be a mistake, but I would invest your time and money into the LSAT. And I have some ideas as to how I think you should prepare that I think are better than other people's. Yeah. Um, as a teacher, I try to get as close to the truth as I can. I feel like that's what students are. That's how students are going to learn, you know, that they're going to trust me that I'm telling the truth. And so if I say you shouldn't spend money on a JD, or if I say, Hey, if you don't like doing this kind of work right here, like if you don't like to read, I don't think you're going to be really happy as a lawyer. <laughs> that's just telling the truth. <laughs> that's all there is. Yeah. So, and, and then it's like, well, if I was just trying to make money, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. I think there's an assumption here that if you're trying to make money, that your advice is inherently flawed or suspect, but, um, I mean, it certainly can be people let it's, but it's not good in the long run either. (laughs) Like if we were, if you try to sell stuff, you can sell stuff in the short run, but then people realize that it's shit and then (laughs) it hurts you in the long run. But anyways, it was funny because I saw this review and I was like, okay, well, I mean, there's a lot of truth to this, but I don't know if that's necessarily bad. We are discouraging people from going to law school and we are trying to sell what we do and what we like doing. But uh, this week, someone, uh, no, two weeks ago, or I don't know when they signed up. Someone signed up for my live class here in D.C., And um, then we got an email that said, hey, sorry, I'm going to cancel my class. And, you know, I'm always curious, like, why are you canceling? And this is before the class has even started. The class is not started yet. and It's going to start in a couple weeks. So they can cancel and get their money back. And there's no, like, it's just, I'm just curious, like, what happened? Are you going to another class or are you moving or you got a new job or something? And this person wrote back and said, well, you know what, I'm just, I've decided that I'm, I'm not going to go to law school, so I don't need to take the LSAT. And I was like, oh, well, okay, more power to you. See you later. And then it turns out that (laughs) they were a listener of the show. So I didn't realize that they were – I thought they had just made that decision in a vacuum. I had no idea what they knew, but they were a listener of the show, and they had written this email, which – It goes like this. It says, hi, Ben and Nathan. So this is the person who just canceled my class before it started. I just wanted to thank you for your devotion to helping students. I've been an avid listener of your podcast over 100 episodes. Now that I'm in the second semester of my junior year, though, I've realized that I don't really want to go to law school. While I enjoyed prepping for the LSAT, your discussions have helped me realize that being a lawyer is not for me. Instead, I'll be pursuing my interest in foreign policy, though I do still listen to the podcast because I enjoy the banter between you two. I hope y'all keep making episodes. Thanks for all your help. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I don't know if we're we're doing an, a, a nicely uh, packaged sell here if we're losing students. But. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's also like the most gratifying part. One of the most gratifying things that we do when we hear that, that, hey, we we helped you realize that there's another thing you could do. That's just such a win. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> that's like, we'll still be here. There's plenty of people that are still going to be going to law school. 
we'll, we'll, we got, we got plenty of business on our plates. And if, if it wasn't right for, for this student, then that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, um, so we've got two more. We have a five star, which is kind of funny. So I just put it in here and then we have a one star, which actually leads into something else that's going to happen on the show that we're pretty excited about. So you want to tackle the five star? I'll take the one. Sure. Sure. So this one was from March. Ben and Nathan are so fetch. You, I have never heard that word fetch. Am I like out of touch with reality here? Yeah, I don't know what that is either. Oh, okay. We're a couple of old guys, <laughs> so I <laughs> need, need our listeners to translate. But anyway, um, this podcast is an amazing resource. It's hilarious, smart, and contains the best LSAT strategy you should be paying for but aren't. Become an avid listener like me, and you too perhaps will start looking forward to Monday afternoons when new episodes drop to see if someone has had their semicolon privileges revoked. In a world of turds, this podcast is a shiny pearl. (laughs) Thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. So the last one is a one star, and this is from last year, and it says, the the title is not helpful. This podcast doesn't talk about actually questions on the LSAT. (laughs) I think that it would be helpful if you guys break down the questions so we would be able to get a to get better at the LSAT. And we've talked about this before. We, we can't talk about LSAT questions because they're licensed by LSAC. That said, listener Jay has just told us that we can now start talking about the September 2014 LSAT or 17 LSAT. I can't remember which one it is. But Whichever one it is that yeah. the LSAC is going to release on their digital familiarization tool. Yeah. So we are going to start tackling more questions on the show. And there's all the questions from the June 2007 LSAT, including the one we're going to talk about today. So a lot of good stuff out there. What motivates someone to give a one-star review for a free podcast? I don't know. And maybe they're trying to help people <laughs> like, like I not guess. waste their time like, with us. Like we wasted this person's time and this, they just felt, they felt compelled to hit the one star and say not helpful. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> we, <laughs> we've always talked about as many, as many official questions as we possibly can. I mean, we're limited by the LSAC. So, yeah, but we'll get more soon. So another hundred at least. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll do every single one of those on the show. Yeah, um, over the next year or whatever. Cool, cool. Um, <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> From B Murphy. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just I don't see all these, but I saw this one. And people write in. You know, they have all different ways of telling you to write them an explanation. Some people are yeah. like explanation period it's like okay we'll get that to you right away <laughs> dance monkey <laughs> dance now <laughs> and then some people are like super friendly it's like hi please if you don't mind taking a moment thank you so much yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then other people go through all their reasoning which i've seen you incorporate into some of the explanations right like yeah, yeah. sometimes yeah if, it, if they're if they're making like a common mistake or if they say something clever or interesting or useful yeah then i'll i'll incorporate it into my explanation yeah that's a fun way to start the writing the writing prompt <laughs> but i saw this one <laughs> it just made me laugh cuz it kind of stuck out from all the uh, little explanation requests i've seen come to you yeah and yeah it says uh, this is b murphy writes this LSAT question sucks. 
period. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Would you like an explanation? <laughs> I want to encourage people. Um, I, I get, I do get a few of those where people are just like really adamantly arguing with the logic of the question. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah. You're, you're probably wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, there's, <laughs> They tested these questions pretty thoroughly before they released them, before they administered them on the official test. And if they were invalid, they would remove them from scoring even after the test. Yeah. So if you think the question sucks, um, it you know I'm I'm not saying you have to like it, but i I don't think you should permit yourself to just be like, "Oh, this one's bullshit, or at least maybe you should limit yourself to doing that once every couple hundred questions maybe mm-hmm. you know i that's a that's something that I get sometimes in bad reviews of of my teaching or my um my books or whatever i sometimes people will say that i had um that i had said like don't bother with this one or something like that yeah Mm -hmm. and they they see that as dismissive or they tell they i've told people like hey just maybe don't worry about this one too much move on to another one yeah and they see that as me being like dismissive or not wanting to do my job as a teacher sure but i was thinking about that I, i i do say that sometimes but i probably say it once every couple hundred questions. Mm-hmm. And if I'm saying it, I'm saying it because I think the question doesn't have that much to teach you. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it because I think the question is invalid. I'm just saying it because I think that you could learn more efficiently by moving on to another question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry if, if that is people's um, experience where they, they see that and they think, Oh, Nathan doesn't want to, he doesn't want to do it. You know, he doesn't want to do his, do his job or whatever. Yeah. I do want to do my job. I mean, I want to do this more than basically anybody else wants to do it. Yeah. I, I want, I'm like, I am literally excited y'all to write a million words about the LSAT. Like that's my next couple of years of my life. I'm going to spend <laughs> writing all of these logical reasoning explanations and I'm excited about it. Yeah. Like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, cool. All right. I'm going to go to the Starbucks. I'm going to write, you know, a few thousand of a few thousand words about LSAT logical reasoning. Yeah. So I want to do it. But I don't know, I'm rambling, but the point is the questions are valid. (laughs) The times where I've thought their question was broken, I have turned out to be wrong. You know, like I email you, Ben, and I say, hey, what's going on with this question? It doesn't seem to make sense. And you're like, oh, well, it's just here, this. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, duh. All right, (laughs) thanks. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, if you think the question sucks, uh, that's okay. I mean, that's fine. But there's, there's probably a very clear reason behind it, ultimately. It, it probably makes perfect sense. Yeah. And so that's our job is to just make it make perfect sense. By the way, thank you to, um, you know, all the demon users who are keeping us honest in our explanations. I mean, the stuff that's in the demon videos that we shot in class or um, even written explanations, they're not guaranteed to be perfect. No, like, I've certainly said stupid stuff. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, we fuck it up all the time. I mean, and so thank you. What, what was it? Lily, who was <laughs> emailing me back and forth about that one question. And then when we finally dug into it, we realized that I had written two full written explanations. I don't know how that happened, but like a month apart, I wrote two full <laughs> written explanations for this question and I missed it both times. Like I didn't, I did not explain it correctly both t- either time. <laughs> And so finally, Ben, you got involved and like corrected me. And then it was like, oh, yeah, duh. Okay, I see this one. Okay, perfect. And we sorted it out. And now it's sorted out for all future Demon users. Yeah. We got it right. Finally, we got it right. So keep hitting the ask button for shit like that, too. If there's something that you don't understand, you know, give give it your best shot with with the explanations that are there. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you still if you still can't get it, then yeah, hit the ask button, and we'll we'll try to do a better job. I mean, we'll we'll just try to get it closer um, for posterity. Yeah, well, I was just looking at YouTube the other day. I think that there are over nine thousand videos of me talking about questions on the outside. <laughs> wow. Well, some of those are yours now, actually, since I don't know right. where yours are being imported, but I know just throughout time, I've certainly made mistakes, and also. Sometimes just the nature of class, right? It's like <laughs> class is wrapping up and like you have a question about 18. Okay, what's your question? And they're like, why is E wrong? And it's like, well, here's why E is wrong. All right, talk to you later, guys. Have a good night. And so that video may only explain one of the answer choices. So uh, that doesn't, I try not to do that often, but I know that can be the case. And if, if it's not complete, let us know. And we'll um, we'll keep adding adding and adding it's fun yeah yeah that's great we we really appreciate your time and effort and um you know your willingness to humble yourself and and say hey i don't understand this or this doesn't make sense i mean that's that's your job as a student is to just keep doing that Mm -hmm. as long as you keep doing that then our job as teachers gets really easy because if you tell us what you don't understand then we can help you get there Simple. Awesome. All right. So we have an announcement about the writing sample, I take it. Yeah. This is just news that we wanted to clarify. Oh, yeah. We are getting a lot of these questions. So the question is, do I have to take uh, the LSAT writing section if I have already completed a writing sample during a previous LSAT administration? And the LSAT says, no, you don't need to take it again. So presumably, what does it say? Candidates are only required to have one writing sample on file in order to complete a law school report. Writing samples may be from either a previous LSAT administration or from an administration of LSAT writing. (laughs) Okay, then they have this random side note. Based on input from law schools, LSAC will retain the current policy of providing admission professionals with access to candidates' three most recent writing samples. This policy will be applied uniformly to writing samples produced during the pencil and paper LSAT administrations, blah, blah, blah. As a result, if one of a candidate's three most recent writing samples was completed during a paper and pencil administration of the LSAT prior to June 2019, then admission professionals will still have access to that sample. All right, so it sounds like you don't have to do a new one if you don't want to. The new one, by the way, is online, so it will be typed as opposed to handwritten. But if you do do one, uh, admission professionals will still have access (laughs) to your writing samples. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have to do it in June because June is the last of the just pencil and paper tests. Yeah. 
but then if you've taken, if well, you take you the test in June, do, wait, what do you mean by that? Cause you don't have to, you're not going to oh, take wait, it. Sorry. June doesn't have the, does not have the writing sample. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, there are no, so that's gone. The writing sample is not, is already de- decoupled from the test. That's, that's right. right. I forgot yeah. about that. Now, if you haven't taken the making that change first, uh-huh. sorry. Yeah. My bad. My bad. So yeah, if you have, if you have ever taken the LSAT before, before Mar- March, 2019 or before, then you're never going to have to do this new digital LSAT writing. Yeah. Okay. But you, cool. you might, I mean, geez, I don't know that it matters, but I'd rather have a typed written sample than whatever I wrote by hand. seems like it'd be a lot better writing sample if you care about that stuff. Yeah. And we're, <clears throat> we're speculating that schools, uh, admission professionals might, uh, take the writing sample more seriously now that it's going to be typed. Yeah. Right. Now that they can see what you can come up with when you have a word processor. Yeah. As opposed in to front of you. paper, as opposed pencil. to an actual pencil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we don't know. I mean, they could just continue to ignore it though. Like they mostly have been, hmm. but they could also start actually reading those writing samples. I mean, I would, if I had an edge case, oh yeah. If I had two students with identical numbers, which I'm, which every school does, like if you look at how narrow their their ranges are, you know, when you see a school where their seventy fifth percentile is one sixty one and their fiftieth percentile is one sixty, <laughs> it's like, well, they're very clearly admitting a whole bunch of people with very very similar numbers. Yeah. So if you were looking at somebody on on the edge, yeah, I would absolutely look at the first couple sentences of the writing sample. For sure. Mm-hmm. Just to see, okay, this is what they come up with, like, on the spot. Yeah. Um, I would look at it. Yeah. It also just I wouldn't look reveals, at the whole thing. I it, would, it reveals other things. Like, we've looked at so many personal statements, and personal statements clearly are about the person. But, you know, when someone's proud of the fact that they took a swim class, it's kind of like, um... <laughs> 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 or or they talk about their personal leadership and how <laughs> they have failed in so many ways. I'm just mocking myself there. But, yeah, I, I think that when you see someone make an argument for, like, oh, this family should go to this the inn because the inn has nicer amenities, it's kind of like, hmm, I don't know. It could reveal something about them too that would maybe push you towards one person or another in any case it's now online so thank god for that yeah it'll it's going to be it's cool because it makes the testing day shorter and it it's a thing that you can just do from home and type it and it's nothing that anyone should worry about but yeah i guess i I don't know are you really going to tell people to do one if they've got a real a pencil and paper one already um, if they have all their other ducks in a row. Yeah. Yeah. It's 30, yeah. it's 35 minutes and $15. Yeah. <laughs> and infect your computer with spyware for the rest of your life. I'll <laughs> sack spyware. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess a lawyer would do it. A lawyer would do it. Yeah. A lawyer would do all the things. So Yeah. Ugh, I hate it. I hate I, it's, it's so silly because it's like odds are it doesn't matter. But that's part of I guess that's part of being a lawyer anyway, huh? 
It's like you do everything. Yeah. Just in case it does matter. You read that extra case out there and then it becomes an issue in the case and you win because of it. Right. Yeah. All right. So what's, this is an email from Adam. Okay. Do you want to read this? Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is the thing about preparing. Right. Nathan and Ben. I am an admitted law student for the fall of 2019. My plan for this summer is to restart my LSAT prep in order to keep my skills sharp. Wait, what? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's what I was like. I was like, oh, one section. (laughs) He goes on. He goes, I'm wanting to do one time section per day plus review. What are your thoughts? I, I sort of scanned it and I didn't really pay attention. And I was like... I was like, yeah, one time section a day plus review. That's awesome. <laughs> why do, why are we having this email? And then I reread it and I was like, oh, because you're an admitted law student for the fall of 2019 and you're thinking about restarting your LSAT prep in order to keep your skills sharp. Um, I'm honored. <laughs> like it's, it's like, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed the LSAT enough that you're willing to do that. Yeah. Uh, my, my gut just says, no, though, why would you, why would you do this? Why would you torture yourself? Yeah. So one thing about law school and life in general is that knowledge is power, right? So you listen, I know it's cliche, but I, I strongly believe that that's, there's a lot of truth to that. And, you know, people listen to this podcast to get familiar with an area, LSAT preparation that they have no familiarity with when they start, right? It's just like you could be told anything and be like, okay, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Like, oh, maybe I should practice 35 minute sections in 25 minutes so that 35 actually doesn't seem that bad, right? Like there's all sorts of advice that you can get and it sounds good on the surface and you run with it. But because you listen to the show and you hear you know, experience or you, you hear advice from people who have been in this area a long time, you start to get grounded and recognize how you should be using your time. And those small pieces of knowledge can make a big impact on your score. And I'm thinking about this student, Adam is now going to go to law school. So I would suggest to turn your focus to learning as much as you can about the law school game. Like, what kind of classes are you going to be taking? How do people study for those classes? Nathan, you've suggested many times on the show for people to go find tests for their classes and take those practice tests before their final exam in each semester, right? That's a great piece of advice, but it's just one piece of advice. There's so much more. Like, what role are your grades going to play in your first semester job applications and your uh, your 2L job applications. And um, what does Rachel Gezer say have to say about getting a job as you come out of law school, right? If, if you learn that stuff right before you need to know it or after you need to know it, you're going to miss the boat on some things. Like some people have missed the boat on the LSAT. They studied poorly. They took the test late. And now they're realizing that they should have done better and they should have had a better plan. And you need a plan for law school. I mean, so many people are going into law school knowing exactly what's going to happen. 
One book that I often recommend to students who tell me that they've been admitted is Getting to Maybe, How to Excel in Law School Exams. It's an older book, but it still has good advice on how law professors think and how they grade law school exams. Knowing all of that would be immensely helpful, but it's just one piece of the puzzle. I would just try to the best of your ability to get familiar with what's going to happen so that when you walk into class, you're studying effectively, you're using your time effectively, and you're understanding what's important and what's not important, not just within that class, but within the whole law school experience. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. LSAT studying after, (laughs) if you're no longer going to take the LSAT, LSAT studying is not the best use of your time. I think, yeah, getting to maybe and... Uh, yeah, I, like actually start doing the work for your first year. Sure. I mean, yeah. Get yourself, <clears throat> go get yourself the um, those. I liked the examples and explanations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horn books. I thought those were like really useful and kind of fun. In plain English, <laughs> you could even like get yourself bar prep um, stuff, like adapt a bar or whatever, mm-hmm. because that shit's gonna come at you. You know, like school is going to, it's amazing how fast it's going to come at you. Like you're going to be taking your 1L, your first semester exams like tomorrow. Yeah. So you should get to work on, if you can figure out what classes you're going to have first semester, then you should start reading for those classes. If you can't figure out what classes you're going to have for for first year, for first semester yet, well, you know, you're going to take torts, crim, contracts, property, you know, yeah. all of the basic one L Civ Pro, all the basic one L classes, you you, everyone takes them and you're going to have to learn them. So you might as well just start learning the elements of negligence right now. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, th- well, it's weird too, because even if you kind of go about it in not the best way, but you start reading, you start getting familiar with books that are out there that kind of help uh, law students through their classes you can start to see which books you like and which ones you don't like. And even if you read the quote wrong book and it's not the book that the professor's using, when the professor starts talking about standards of negligence or, you know, um, different elements of the law, you're like, okay, I have some working knowledge, very small, but some framework for what's going on. And some students in that class are going to be like, what WTF? Like, what we what and they're like taking notes on every little thing and it's just like you know there's so much to learn in any case um what's your friend's name who does a podcast don't they do a podcast on law school i would listen to that too are you talking about allison monahan yes yeah so that's the uh let's see she has girl's guide to law school but i don't know if that's the podcast law school toolbox yeah podcast okay yeah just check out all allison's stuff she's like do does so many things that it's hard to even keep track of her but um yeah you should start listening to stuff about law school not the else at yeah yeah <laughs> and you should start reading i mean i i guess i would also recommend um i really like jeffrey tubin's books okay i think he wrote a book called Ugh. It's like the nine or something like that about the Supreme Court. Yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Just check out Jeffrey Tubin because he writes really well. Um, not just he's, these very um, easy to read nonfiction books about the courts. Mm-hmm. And that's useful. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's anything, more just like probably <laughs> soak your brain in law shit. Yeah. And LSAT is not law shit. I mean, LSAT's good for it. I guess LSAT does. You know, it teaches you words. It's like you. It makes you be a sharp, critical, logical thinker. There's a lot of good that the LSAT does. But if you're done taking the official LSAT, yeah, you you should just move on to one L. <laughs> it's. I mean. I tell this story all the time, but I was shocked in my first semester, like literally the first month of the first semester. And I'm looking at people next to me in class that are sending out resumes and letters, introducing themselves to get jobs for that upcoming summer. Yeah. This was in like September or October of our one L year. Yeah. And these people were hustling. Yeah. They were on it. That's that's who Adam. That's who you want to be. Yeah. You want to be that guy. And you want <laughs> to hustle effectively, right? Because how many people hustled yeah. and like did so much work on the wrong shit? <laughs> and getting familiar with the domain is how you avoid those traps. It's like people who come to us and say, oh, I've taken 60 LSATs. It's like, oh, man, too bad that work couldn't have been redirected to something a little more effective. Yeah, too bad you didn't like start talking to us before you did all 60 of those yeah, practice tests. Exactly. Because um, you could have made much better use of your time and made better use of those tests. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you. I mean... There were people there like in October, I I look over and there's like people are wearing suits because they're like going to an interview, you know, and I've got like my hoodie on. Oh, dude, I'm like, what are you doing? I'm I'm, I was just like deer in the headlights, just trying to figure out what the hell was even going on with these one L classes. And these people were like, as if they were already attorneys. Yeah. And that's, that's who you're up against. So you, you want to like, just, yeah, I mean, your LSAT skills, you don't need to keep your LSAT skills sharp. You need to get on your lawyer game. So (laughs) start networking, start reading about 1L classes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, there was a kitchenette kitchenette on the third floor of like GW's main law law building. Uh, There's a few of course, but, and every morning I came in like eight, eight thirty. And there was this girl in my class who sat in this, you know, those like little circular, like two people tables, two person tables. And she would just sit there and and I, I didn't know her that well, but from what I did know about her and from talking to her, she typically got in there like five 30 or six or something. And she just sat at that little table and was constantly reading case law. (laughs) Dude. And that's just, I was like, um, okay, I need to get caught up on my classes here. <laughs> but people, that's what they do. Lawyers have the leather ass, dude. They're just like capable of sitting yeah. and working for insane amounts of time. I just cannot believe the work, the, the, the capacity for work. It's just nuts. I went over to my buddy, my buddy Mike's house yesterday because we were going to play some board games, um, in the evening. And, uh, It was just, it was funny because it was me and him and we're both like writer type of dudes. And I was comparing him to his wife, my friend, Nikki Black, who is a killer attorney. Mm. (laughs) And Nikki, when Nikki's working, don't even, she doesn't even move. Like she's just, it's like a statue 
you know, and she's just got her like four monitors. Four, <laughs> and it's just wow. all you see is just documents flying around and, you know, her body doesn't move at all. And it's just like all this action going on on the screens and <laughs> <laughs> emails and spreadsheets and, you know, just documents. And just It's like a flurry of activity on the screen and her body's like completely motionless. Yeah. And then I'm looking at my buddy, Mike, the writer, and he's like getting up out of his chair. He's fucking around with the dog and he's going and getting a snack. And now he has to go get some water and now he has to go use the bathroom. And now he has to go do this other thing. It's like, I'm just like, well, you are, thank God you are a writer, uh, you know, (laughs) writer friend rather than a lawyer friend. Cause if you were a lawyer friend, we would not be hanging out. You would be, (laughs) you would just be in work mode for 10 hours. Yeah. Cool. Um, should we tackle this game, you think? Yeah, we should. Beautiful. Oh, sweet. Logic games are a little funny to do in a podcast format. But we did one the other day, and it was awesome, I thought. Yeah. I think it's hard probably for people to visualize, but maybe we can... What do we do? <laughs> well, we'll see what we can do. Um, yeah, we're going to read it. I mean, I would encourage you to, um, you know, after we read it... Well, or... <laughs> You could always just uh, Google June 2007 LSAT. This test will pop right up. Yeah. We both have free explanations about this game. So you can look at either of our websites. I'm foxlsat.com. Ben is strategyprep.com. If you want to see video explanations of this game, should we read it? Yeah, let's do it. So it starts out, and this is game two of the June 2007 LSAT. It says, "Exactly, exactly three films greed harvest and limelight are shown during a film club's festival held on thursday friday and saturday all right so the fact that it talks about thursday friday and saturday suggests to me that this game is probably going to try to order some things on some level uh it certainly doesn't have to but since days are inherently ordered i'm guessing that i am going to see some ordering rules Each film is shown at least once during the festival, but never more than once on a given day. Okay. Uh, So we have those three films, Greed, Harvest, and Limelight, and each one has got to show up at this festival, but not more than once on any given day. On each day, at least one film is shown, and films are shown one at a time. The following conditions apply. Um, I would stop here and just point out to people that the... (laughs) The game has already given us several rules, right? The first sentence is telling us that we have three films, that they're on these days, that each film is shown at least once, but never more than once. So, so far I'm seeing at least like three rules. On each day, at least one film is shown. That's another one. That's four rules. Uh, Films are shown one at a time. Now, that's a a fifth rule, but it's kind of like... pretty obvious, but they went ahead and told us anyways. The point here is that a lot of times when people get stuck and they don't see why something has to be wrong or right or whatever, they're missing a rule that was stated in the initial paragraph. I'm not sure why we have this tendency, but a lot of times newer test takers tend to just go to the list of rules and say, well, I looked at all the rules. Like, I don't understand why this has to be true. But the whole thing is just a bunch of rules. Um, one is formatted. Some of them are formatted in a paragraph and some are formatted in a list. That's all. Yep. 
Okay, so at this point, I will have already drawn Thursday, Friday, Saturday going from left to right, so TFS, and then I'm going to have at least one slot beneath beneath each of those days because they said um, at least one film is shown on each day. So I know I've got to have a day and uh, at least one film on each of those days. Would you do anything else? Um, I always like to encourage people to read all the rules before they start writing stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there are cases, and this might be one of them, where the rules might dictate something about the way you want to build your 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 structure. Sure. The first rule here says, on Thursday, harvest is shown and no film is shown after it on that day. Yeah. So harvest has to be the last show on Thursday. Yeah. So when I build my my lists here for each day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I actually tend to build lists um, going upward. I think you do it downward. I, I tend to build lists going upward. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't make any difference. Uh, well, no, but the, the the downward way is correct, but you can't. Is better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I build it upward here, um, I have I have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then that first rule harvest. I have it sitting right on top of Thursday, right on top of my notation for Thursday. Yeah. Which makes it so that I can't put anything underneath it. There's no room to put anything underneath it. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a structural way of displaying the information that nothing that harvest is the last show that day. Mm. I guess if you were doing it downward, building your list downward, you just maybe would if you were gonna take that if you were gonna take that approach, you would maybe find a way to put harvest down at the bottom. I would, yeah. So here, with a line under it or a blackout underneath it or something like that. What I end up doing for this game is I do three slots below Thursday, and it's a little bit of a break from what I normally do because I'm I'm not saying that there has to be three, but I want to capture that idea that I'm gonna have uh, what was it H is last, and so I do the three slots because you can't have more than three films on Thursday since every film can be shown only once uh, a day. And so I'd have three slots, and then on the last one I would put Thursday so that I could see that, hey, maybe two other films might come before uh, H on Thursday. Okay. Yeah, that that can work. Um just be careful there, right? That you don't think you have to use all three films, Absolutely. Um, yep. be, which wouldn't make sense because the rule, the next rule and the next rule after that. But so the next rule says on Friday, either greed or limelight, but not both is shown and no film is shown after it on that day. So on Friday, we know the last show has to be greed or limelight. And I used to put G slash L uh-huh. on Friday, yeah, yeah. like again, on the bottom of my diagram where there's no room for anything to go after it. Sure. You would have it on your third line, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I used to actually write, for this one, I'd have it on the second because there can only be two on Friday, right? Given the fact that, but not both. Oh, I see. And would you black out the other spot? Actually, then? well, what I ended or up doing put is an I X just, or something. I just don't even write three. I just write two, 
and then I stop, and on the gotcha. on the last one, my second slot, I put G slash L. But gotcha. I like what you're about to say. What do you, yeah, so what do you do now? Well, I used to do it that way. I used to write G slash L, and I think even it's like that in my book that I wrote G slash L. Yeah. Um, but these days, I think I would just make worlds right off the bat. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I did it while we were talking, yeah. Ben. Yeah. The next rule says on Saturday, either greed or harvest, but not both is shown and no film is shown after it on that day. So we know the last show on Thursday is harvest. Yep. The last show on Friday is G or L. The last show on Saturday is G or H. And you can't have both G and L on Friday and you can't have both G and H on Saturday. Uh-huh. And it took me about 10 seconds to make four worlds. Yep. Okay. I mean, H is Thursday. You don't got on that all kind four of time, of the... Nathan. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure that this is a faster way. You know, this, I, this has to be better than whatever I have in my book. Because I've incorporated all of the rules into my diagram. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, actually, the only rule that's left is... I have to make sure that I use um, everything. I have to make sure that I use everything at least once. But I've got a world that has harvest, greed, greed. Yep. I've got a world that has harvest, greed, harvest. I've got a world that has HLG and a world that has HLH. Yeah. And on each of those, I have some not some knots written in. Yeah. Okay. Because you don't want so, to accidentally put. I can't put both on yep. Friday and Saturday. Yep. So on the HGG world, I have no L on Friday, no H on Saturday. Yep. And on the HGH world, I have no L on Friday, no G on Saturday. Yeah. And on the HLG world, I have no G on Friday, no H on Saturday. And on the HLH world, I have no G on Friday or Saturday. Ooh. I get to make an inference there. Mm. No G on Friday or Saturday means I have to have G on Thursday because I have to have a G somewhere. And I'll put that kind of floating up in the air a little bit above my H because I want to make room that I could have an L above or below it. Yeah. So what I did is I just put G immediately above H and then I put a slot above G and then I had an arc to show that G could go back and forth with that slot. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Uh, just another way. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I like the, f- I mean, the four worlds I feel like are going to, I think it, it's going to definitely save me some, some time. Yeah. Uh, when I get into these questions, I mean, I, I don't know a hundred percent for sure. I guess I don't really get to make any more inferences than that because I've got room, you know, to use my one L that I haven't used in the first two worlds and I've got room to use Actually, I've used HL and G in my second two wor- worlds, so I don't care anymore. Oh, yeah, those are done. I mean, they're not, they have, you could have additional stuff. You, in your first world where you have HGG, you could have L going back and forth between Thursday and Saturday. I guess I'm, yeah, I'm but it, it could also be both. It could be both, but it must be true that it is in one, right? So, yeah, I, I'm actually just going to draw an L yeah, on Thursday. L with a handle. With an arc, sure. Yeah, to uh-huh. Saturday. And then same, and then same thing in yeah. the second world. Yeah, yeah. like just to remind me, because a lot of times people do talk about that. They're like, "Well, what do you? Are you saying that it's 
not going to go in the other place. And I'm like, well, everything I write down is what must be true. And so I'm not precluding other things from happening. Right. Anyway. Cool. Yeah, those worlds are basically done. I mean, should we just answer number six? Well, one thing I think might help is, so let's just step back for a half second and talk about exactly why you split and created the worlds where you did. Um, okay. And also the the benefit, I, I think that maybe it takes some time for people to realize that what we're doing is by getting rid of rules, we're getting rid of things that we have to process or deal with later. Yep. Yeah, I say what I, I find myself saying in class all the time is that I'm baking the rules into my solution mm-hmm. instead of having to continually process each rule. And, you know, there's going to be, well, let's see, there's five questions here. Yep. And instead of having to process the rule over and over and over for each of these five questions, yeah, these three rules, at if, least the ones that were listed. Yeah. Yeah. If I can find a way to bake the rule into my solution, that's what I'm going to do. So the first rule is very obvious. <laughs> on Thursday, harvest is shown and no film is shown after it on that day. If you wrote that rule down like separately somewhere, that would be such a waste. Yeah. I mean, they're telling you H is on Thursday and it's the last show on Thursday. So put it on the schedule. Yep. Then you don't have to process that rule for every single question. It's gone. All right. Yep. Well, yeah. So the second rule, same thing on Friday, either G or L, but not both. And I went, wait, so it's either G, not L or it's L, not G. And that's the last show. Well, that's two ways to do it. Like every possible solution for the game has to start with either G or L as the last show on Friday. Yeah. So I split it and just baked it right into my solution. And I had two worlds and it was, that's awesome because now I don't ever have to think about that rule. Ever again, it's gone. Yep. It's just, it's like poof, disappears. It's just, it's just like, oh no, there's no rule. There's just these four, there's four templates or that made it to two templates. Yeah. And then the next rule is also this binary thing about Saturday with G and H. And I just said, oh, okay, fine. I'll just have to split again. And I ended up with four worlds and it's not like ideal to have four worlds, right? I would prefer three or two, but I don't have to look at those rules ever again. I do not have to process those rules ever again. I just have four templates. Yep. And the four templates are self-explanatory. I don't need, like, you could take the game away from me and I would just have on the page, I would be like, yeah, that's fine. I got it. Like, it's all baked in. The only thing you'd have to remember is that you need at least one of each, which we actually have now taken care of. We baked that in, in too. We baked that in, so we don't have to worry about that rule. You can't have a show more than once on a day. That's not that hard to remember. No, so that's actually baked in. And that's it. Because by having the the three and then the two and the two, I'm never going to put more than, you know, the amount. Yep. And so now you just look and you say, okay... Um, I guess you have to remember you can't put something on the same day twice, right? You can't do GG on yeah. Friday. Yeah, but otherwise, you could also. It's very basic. You could also rules, just. <laughs> yeah, there, there's. It's a simple game, simple rules. There's a decent amount of flexibility in the game. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can solve it. So it's not like there's you know how some of the games, like that mining game, yeah, which turns out to only have like four total solutions. Yeah. Um, this game has a lot more solutions than that, but you you still can just kind of glance at these four templates and you know it it if you um i guess maybe one thing to do before you do number 6 is to kind of look at the system mm. 
and think about it for just a second. I mean, Thursday is the day that we have the most flexibility, right? Sure. Thursday's the only day that we could have all three shows if we wanted. Yeah. Could have one, could have two, could have all three shows. Yep. And Thursday's the only day that you can have all three shows because Friday and Saturday have their rule that says you can't, you know, you have to have one and can't have the other. Yeah. So right away, it seems to me that I could have seven shows max, three on Thursday, two on Friday, two on Saturday. Yep. And th- that would work, right? I think it would work in all four worlds. I think so, yeah. All right. And then and then with that, it's like, okay, now you just smash the game. Mm-hmm. We just kill it. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. All right. Should we grind through these questions? Let's do it. Yeah. So question six is our traditional first question. Which one of the following could be a complete and accurate description of the order in which the films are shown at the festival? Uh, this question is not always first, but it's probably first in like 95% of the games. And even when I do worlds, I tend to just answer this question by looking at the individual rules. Um, you certainly can try to do it with worlds. I just find that to be easier. What do you do? It depends. I don't think in this case, I don't think I would use my worlds because I got four of them and each of the worlds has too much flexibility. So I would just take the rules and knock out answer choices. Yeah. It's going to take like no time. It's going to take no time. And one thing to keep in mind is one of the benefits of creating worlds is that you also get relatively familiar with the rules before you even get into the questions. And so it's going to be pretty easy for us to be like, Oh yeah, that was the rule where H has to be last on Thursday. And you just look at all the answers that is fine in a B C D Oh, nope, not in D. Sorry. In D, uh, limelight is last. Harvard should, or harvest should be last on Thursday. So that's out. Um, it's also fine on E. So next rule GRL, but not both is last on Friday. So I either have to have GRL on Friday last. That's fine in A. Um, that's fine in B L is last in C. Um, L is last. So that's fine in E harvest is last on Friday. That's not good. So that's out. So, so far we've gotten rid of D and E the, uh, other rule about Saturday, either G or L, but not both is shown and no film is shown after it. So G or H, sorry, G or H has to be last on Saturday. That's fine in a in B that's fine in C that's fine. Hmm. So, oh, wait, but we can't have both. Is that a problem? I didn't think about that. Yeah. B's out because it has G and L on Friday. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't apply the full rule for uh, that right. one. But yeah, so... Okay, so B is out. So we're left with That's A okay. and C. That gets rid of B. Yep. So you're down to A and C. And, and it, this is that that, paw, that moment where students run into this all the time where they're like, wait, I tested all the rules. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm down to A and C. What's up? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you got to go back to the passage because the passage had rules. For example, every film has to be shown at least once. That's an easy thing to look yeah. for. And in answer choice A, I don't see uh, agreed. So A is out, which means the answer is C. Yep. Easy question. Cool. Um, skip forward to the if questions. Sure. Uh, Ben, this might, this advice might have to change, huh? What advice? Uh, Well, the, the digital LSAT is going to only display one question at a time. And so 
some students have suggested that maybe it's going to be harder to do the if questions first on the digital format? Oh, you know, I, it is a little more challenging, but not a lot. When I took the practice ones, I just, I just get, well, you can very clearly see which questions apply to which games because there's, uh, like it's, it's indicated in the navigation. And so I just clicked forward and then I'm like, oh, here's an if question. And then I did it. Okay. And since I'm, and since you're doing your work on paper, you actually have the diagram from that if question on your front paper, of you so at you can times. then click back to the general questions. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. So maybe we don't have to change that. That's that's good. So number eight is an if question, and it says, "This is maybe the hardest question in the game." Um, it says, "If limelight is never shown again during the festival, once greed is shown." then which one of the following is the maximum number of film showings that could occur during the festival? So we're trying to maximize the number of showings, yet L is never shown once G is shown. I'm going to try to delay showing G as late as possible. Yeah, but it's kind of funny because you can also do it the other way. Uh, Have it come earlier and then show G as much as possible? Yeah. yeah, if you start Thursday LGH, yep, then you can't show L anymore. But you did show three shows on Thursday. Yeah, yep. Right. So if you if you do that, and I'm just looking at World One now. Sure. If you go LGH, yep. and then you've already got two G's on the board. Mm-hmm. You can use another H on Friday, and that gets you to six. That gets you to six, and so then you just have to think the other way and see if it could be even higher. Chances are it can't, but... Well, yeah, but see, to get higher, you'd have to have seven. Yep. And to have seven, the only way you can do that is to have all three on Thursday. Which is going to give you L. Which gives you L, so that's it. So that's the answer six. Yeah. And that's actually without delaying L, right? I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, if you have all three on Thursday, then you're going to have greed. Yep. So, but if you did it... Right, so if you do it the other way, you could go G-L-H... Uh-huh. And then put an L on Saturday. Yeah. But that's still six. Yep. And so that's it in world one. You're just never going to get to seven. It's not possible. Yep. Nine. Uh, This is the next if question. It says, if greed is shown exactly three times, harvest is shown exactly twice, and limelight is shown exactly once, then which one of them must be true? Um, Okay. Well, the first... world's smashed this. (laughs) Yeah. So... If greed is shown exactly three times, you know that greed has to be shown every day. And so that only puts you into world one. Because in the other worlds, greed uh, could not be shown every day. So we're looking at world one. And we have G all the way across every day. And we have H. And then what do we know? We know that L is shown exactly... No, harvest is shown exactly twice. And we know that harvest can't go on... Saturday, so it's got to go on Friday and Thursday, and and L is only going to go once, but it could still go in either place according to this world. There's yeah, no, and it could go before or after G on Thursday. Exactly. Uh, which one following must be true? All three films are shown on Thursday. Nope, we just saw that L is going back and forth between Thursday and Saturday, so that does not have to be true. B, exactly two films are shown on Saturday. Again, could be true, but doesn't have to be true, depending on where L is. C, L and H are both shown on Thursday. Same exact problem. If you know that L is going back and forth, that's going to help you get rid of A, B, and C. 
D, Greed is the only film shown on Saturday. Uh, that, again, could be true, but doesn't have to be true if L comes over there. And E, G, H and G are both shown on Friday. Um, that's one of the inferences that we made. We knew we were in World 1, and we knew H had to go twice, and that it couldn't go on Saturday, so it had to go on Friday. So now G and H are on Friday. Number 10 says, if Limelight... So this seems like a very similar question, um, but now it's Limelight three times, Harvest twice, and Greed once. Um, Limelight all three times means we can't be in the first two worlds. I think we could be in either of the last two worlds. I'm wondering if I even need to do any work here. I mean, in the last two worlds, and if I put L on all three days. Yeah. The, you know, the, the bottom world already has G and H on Thursday. The question's only asking me about the first film on Thursday. I know I could just sneak L in there, right? Yep. Either before or after the G. Yep. And so L and G can both be the first film on Thursday if there's three L's, two H's, and one G. Well, it's a That's could without be. even doing any work in that yeah. last rule. It's a could be true question as well. So, well, so the only question is, can Harvest be the first show? Yeah. On Thursday, if if we're gonna do that, but that's not possible because. Limelight will have to go and harvest is the last show on Thursday. Yeah. So that's it. It's just LG and I didn't need to do any work to do it. I just kind of like did it in my head once I had made my world. Yeah. It, I think this is one thing that sometimes people struggle with is wait, how can you do this work in your head? Well, if you do enough work up front on paper, then it becomes very easy to do the work in your head. If you don't do enough work up front, then you're going to have to write more. Because yeah, I've already processed everything. Yeah, like I, I'm, I just know that I get kicked into those last two worlds. If if I'm gonna have three L's, I'm not in the first two worlds. I'm in one of those second two worlds, and I'm looking at the last world specifically because I know that it has exactly one G, and it already has exactly two H's. Yeah, and so then all I'd have to do is throw two L's in there, and if they're only gonna ask me about Thursday, it's like yeah, well, it's gonna be L and G. That's it. Yeah. So D. D. So now um, we skipped question seven, the one non-if question that we haven't tackled yet. And it says, which one of the following cannot be true? Okay. So we can use, well, actually, have we drawn any worlds? I haven't drawn anything on my original worlds. I'm just, I didn't, did you draw anything for question eight or nine? I did for number nine. That's funny. Because I don't even, like somehow I, I don't, somehow I answered that question without drawing anything. Yeah, because you knew you were in world <laughs> one, so you ju- you just kind of, you could do that in your head. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was, I just kind of sketched it out while we were talking. Okay. But yeah, we, I, just the worlds are enough. And this, <laughs> check out this question. Okay, so which one following cannot be true? So Harvest is the last film shown on each day of the festival. Uh, yep, that can't be true. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't know that the worlds necessarily answer that, but there's a rule that says either G or L is the last show on Friday. Yeah, that's a gimme. I wonder why they did that. <laughs> so Harvest is not the last film. But on Nathan, Friday, shouldn't so we have done this question first? I mean, it's easier than the if questions. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, the the truth is, 
it doesn't really that much matter, right? Like if you, if you like doing the if questions first, you, you, you should do it that way. And that is what we teach. But I mean, I taught the other way for eight years and it, it, it's not like, it's not like you can't do the games, you know, it's not like you have to do the if questions first. I, many, many students have told me though, that they find it helpful, especially if you didn't have really good worlds. Um, yeah. But this one was just a gimme no matter what. I mean, that's just one rule makes A the answer. Well, one thing that I like to say is that because there are people out there who actually advocate, not people, I should say companies. I guess companies are people, but um, or corporations are people. That's a reference to Mitt Romney, by the way. Um, (laughs) In any case, some companies say, hey, look, you actually should do the must be true slash cannot be true questions first so that you then know what must be true or cannot be true, and so then you can use that to answer the if questions. And my argument is always like, well, look, if you made that inference up front, then that question is going to be easy, and it doesn't matter whether you do it before or after the if question. If you (laughs) you couldn't make that inference up front, well, now that's going to be hard, and having the mini diagrams from the if questions could actually help you figure out something that you couldn't figure out on your own. Yep. Completely agree. So, anyways, um, great. That's game two. Good stuff. Yeah, that was that. Um, Let's see here. Hopefully, that was, you know, people are able to follow it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you can get something out of that, even if it's just like the process, maybe. So, the other day, LSAT Learning Objectives started following me on Instagram. And I said, hmm, what's this? So, I clicked on it. And they have a bunch of like tips and they have a lot of followers. And I was like, okay, let's see if any of these tips are good. And first of all, (laughs) some of their tips, I don't remember what they were, but I disagreed with them. Some of their tips I did agree with. And then some, actually, I think like this one, (laughs) I'm not sure that I totally understand what they're trying to say. And so this seems like one of those, no offense to whoever runs this Instagram, but it seems like one of those places where people are like, oh, I want to study for the LSAT. And wouldn't it be nice to like see tips in my IG feed every day? But I'm not sure that they actually help people. Uh, in any case, I guess I'm kind of buying, I'm, I'm biasing our pearls versus turds analysis today, <laughs> but uh do you want to read this and then we can decide if there's any pearl of wisdom here? Yep. It says LSAT fact of the day. Ooh, fact. Wow. That gives us some authority. People simply do not do enough practice. They work so hard at understanding the LSAT, but not actually practicing it. Okay. So my reaction to this is that this could be a pearl depending on what they mean by work so hard at understanding the LSAT. Are you talking about theory or are you talking about review? Because if you're talking about theory, then yeah, maybe people do spend too much time trying to understand the theory, but not enough time practicing it. And as people know from listening to the show and from doing the demon, we're all about jumping into actual practice problems as quickly as possible. 
But this advice is kind of vague. Like, what do you mean they work so hard at well, understanding the LSAT? Like, working hard at understanding the LSAT after you get a question wrong is immensely valuable. And people don't do enough that of that, and they do too much practice sometimes. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I agree. This could be right or wrong advice. It is all about understanding. I mean, I'm committed to the idea that my students can actually understand this shit. That's my whole mission in life. Mm -hmm. You know, I like stand up there in the front of the class and I'm like, listen guys, this ain't going to be tips and tricks. This is not going to be memorize a whole bunch of theory. I'm not going to bullshit you with a bunch of like semantics, the things that you have to memorize and stuff before we start diving into the questions. I am committed to the idea that you are smart enough to figure this stuff out. You got to struggle with it. You got to read it carefully. You got to figure it out. You got to ask me questions. I'm going to help you understand this because trust me, it makes perfect sense. And I would, so yeah, go ahead. Well, I just, I want you to, I want you to really understand this shit. And if that means that you only can do one game in 35 minutes, that's fine, but you have to actually understand it. And if that means that you only do the first 10 questions on logical reasoning in 35 minutes, but if you get all 10 of them, right. That's a high five. That's like, yes, you're getting it. Yeah. You're actually getting it. You're getting them right. Yes, we can do it. So you do have to get to a point where you're actually understanding it. It has nothing to do with theory. It has everything to do with just like digging in, reading more carefully. And then, yeah, when you miss stuff, figure out why and ask your teacher why. Yeah. And and by understand, I would just clarify that I think what you're saying, at least what I'm saying when I say that to my students is that you have an intuitive gut understanding of what's going on and why that's correct. You're actually on team answer choice B, which is correct. And you're like, yes, B is right. And someone pushes back against you and you're like, no, 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 this is more important than that. Or this is why this is right. And cause you, you don't just like see it on some superficial level and kind of accept it because, well, the back of the book said it's the right answer. It's like, no, that actually makes sense. One test I have for people all the time, I've actually started to use their own personal names, is I'll say to people, okay, do you have any nephews, nieces, or cousins who are in middle school or high school? And usually they'll have someone in that group. who's in middle school, and they'll be like, yes. I'm like, what's their name? They're like, oh, John. I'll be like, okay, explain to John why C is the right answer. And first of all, they have to then translate that stuff into like plain English, which, which is yep. what we should all be doing anyway. And when yep. they finally work through that process, then they're like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. So that that's why C is correct. And, and if you can do that, then you walk away with that question with a – a better understanding of logic of how to translate this convoluted shit. And it unlocks so many other questions. I have so much faith in that now. It's, it's just crazy. It's like, I don't want to go to another question. Just really tell me why is that an intermediate conclusion? Not just like, well, the, mm, it seems like, you know, it seems like, it's an intermediate conclusion because um, <laughs> there's another uh, conclusion in the argument. Um, uh, okay, w- w- there is another conclusion. Why is that the main conclusion? Like, 
really dig into what's being said and say, you see how that idea right there supports this idea right there. Now, it doesn't prove it, but it does support it, or at least I can see how the author's trying to support it. Therefore, that is the author's intermediate conclusion, even if it's a sucky one. And then I can see how the author is trying to use this claim to then support this other claim. And then I start peppering them with questions after that, right? It's like, okay, well, if you had an argument, what's the minimum number of pieces you would need to have an intermediate conclusion in that argument? And they're like, oh, well, you'd have to have at least three, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, now you really understand it. You really know what that thing is. It's not just a term that you throw around with other test takers, like you know what's going on. You actually can describe it and explain it to your nephew or your cousin in middle school, and they could walk away and at least have some understanding of that term. Then I know you understand it, and now it's going to unlock all future questions that it tests that concept, and the LSAT just tests the same concepts over and over and over again. Yeah, you you can actually understand it. You you got to get to that point where the first ten, you just never miss them. Yeah, because they're easy, you know. And you and I, Ben, we both teach without the answer key, because we don't need it, because the right answers just make sense. Yeah, like you can just figure them out, even on the hardest questions. The right answers just make sense. Yeah, they do have some commentary here, so oh, we okay. can maybe see what they were oh, thinking. Yeah, okay, let's do that. So they typed a comment on their own post that says the LSAT is a test of how you think and how you think is a deeply ingrained pattern build up, built up over decades. Most people don't think in a way that's in line with the test. That's why you got to change it. How do you do that? Practice. It's crazy when I hear people going into the LSAT having only taken five practice tests. This is this is interesting. Like I liked what this person was saying at the beginning, but at the end it made it sound like I'm just do more tests. Just do more tests. Like, oh, I've only done I hate, four or five tests. Dang, this person's telling me I need to do ten. I better go squeeze in another three tests before you know, my test in two weeks and now that's going to help me. Right. Right. And no, I mean, you got to learn as much as you can from every single test you do. Yeah. I do. I agree that like five practice tests is probably not enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, unless you just scored 170 on your first one or something, then maybe five's enough. But there's one sentence here that makes this a turd, I think. Yeah. Which is, most people don't think in a way that's in line with the test. Um, I'm, I don't accept that. Mm. I, refu- I refuse to accept that. I mean, <laughs> my buddy Mike that I was talking about earlier, the writer guy, he came to my LSAT class and just scored a 165 like on his very first test right out of the box. Mm-hmm. He never studied formal logic. He was like an environmental studies major or something as an undergrad. Yeah. And now he writes for ABC online. Yeah. And that's not, he's most people. I mean, he's a, he's a bright guy, but lawyers are bright folks. <laughs> and I, I do, I mean, I think you are causing yourself a problem if you buy the idea that the LSAT is not in line with the way most people think. I just, I do not think that's true. I think they put some convoluted language in there. There's some big words that you're not going to understand. But it's not not common sense. I mean, it it just like the easy ones are really really easy if you read it carefully. Yeah, I do think that people have some sloppy thinking 
and agreed sloppy reading sloppy reading but also sloppy thinking like you know you say to them hey if you fix this computer then you'll be able to finish the project on time but uh unfortunately we're not gonna be able to fix the computer and so people's gut reaction is like oh so we're not gonna be able to finish the project on time and it's like um I can understand why you've come to think that way because that's a very common experience, but it's not like your thinking does need to change. <laughs> but it's it I guess what I'm trying to tell people is that what the L side is actually trying to get you to do is think more logically about the world and how the world actually works. So I've said to myself before that everyone could benefit from taking the LSAT and just getting sharper in understanding these pretty common concepts of like, hey, look, just because things are correlated does not mean that one causes the other. And even more sharper about like what is a causal claim versus what is a correlative claim. So I think that what you're talking about is that some people think that the LSAT has a special way of thinking about yeah. the world. And it's not special. It's actually no. a more accurate way. And when you're struggling, it's because you're sloppy in your thinking and you do need to become sharper and more accurate in terms of what is logically true. And then sometimes people say, well, this the LSAT's making this assumption and that seems totally ridiculous. And it's like, no, actually, when you break down the assumptions, they're actually pretty reasonable. And the ones that they consider unreasonable are in fact unreasonable because there are many, there are so many exceptions. You've just come to think that there aren't like in co- correlation leads to causation and stuff like that. People want to just go into that mode of like, Oh, this is bullshit. This is some, this some is some weird, thing. Uh, yeah. Some elk, some arcane, you know, like we're in the realm of the LSAT now and it's not like, it's not real or, or whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm sorry. It's like, it's English. It's, it's words have meaning. <laughs> the The words when they're arranged in this way yeah. mean a thing and they have asked you a question and you can answer it. It's right there in front of you. You probably have to be a little more careful than you are in normal life, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a, a different way of thinking. Who are these people who don't think in like commonsensical terms? I mean, they're not lawyers. If you gave, you know, like lawyers are bad examples because lawyers had to take the LSAT at some point. Yeah. But, you know, if you took a, a lawyer who took the LSAT 40 years ago, you know, just someone who's been practicing law for 40 years, yeah. haven't looked at the LSAT since then, right? Haven't looked at a modern LSAT took a different version of the LSAT entirely 40 years ago. And you gave them a question from prep test 86, like just a, you know, middle of the road question 14 from the logical reasoning. They would do it. No problem (laughs) without any LSAT training or practice or anything. They would just, they would just do it. They would just read it and it would make sense to them because they're like critical thinkers. They're careful readers and critical thinkers and the shit makes sense. Yeah. So I'm on board with practicing, but I'm not on board with this idea that you need a whole special way of thinking. I think that this this uh, advice is a turd because of the issues that you're pointing out, but also just because it's 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 vague enough that people are going to read this on Instagram and walk away with the idea that, oh, I need to go do more practice tests or something like that. And although they probably do, 
What's more important is that whatever practice problems you do do, you learn to understand them. I'm often telling people that I work with, hey, what do you, what's your typical study day look like? And they're like, well, I do two practice sections and then I try to do a couple games. And already I'm like, whoa, wait, you do this after work? Like, stop, do one time section and review the shit out of it. Or do some, for some people, especially when they're starting out, do one game and figure that thing out as much as you can on your own, then watch the video. And then sometimes people are like, well, I did pretty well in that game, so I decided not to watch your video and I just did another game. And it's like, yeah, but how effective was your approach? I mean, you, you even admitted that you got one wrong. And even if you got zero wrong, it took you 15 minutes. Did it take you 15 minutes because you started testing out <laughs> multiple answer choices? Or because it just took you a while to set up the worlds at the beginning of the game. If it just took you a while to set up the worlds at the beginning of the game, I'd be like, that's fine. You're, you're practicing it in the right way. And so even though it took you a long time, over time, you're going to get better. But if it's taking you 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes because you tested out each answer choice, well, I'm glad that you figured it out. But there are better ways to do this. And just going on to the next game isn't going to necessarily help you see that. It's, it's so much about quality over quantity um, in my mind. So I'm always telling people to do less, it seems like, but really get it and come to me and say, this is what's going on, and I understand. Yeah, we'll go back to our thought experiment of if you were stuck on a desert island. Is it desert island or deserted island? Could it be a deserted people desert say- island? Yeah, I think people say desert island though. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, oh, it's not a desert. You're stuck on the that island. Makes sense, right? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's what people oh, say. Okay. Well, when you see it in a cartoon, it's always like just one palm tree, right? Yeah. And a, and it's all just sand. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you're stuck on that island, and all you have with you for entertainment is one LSAT, and you know that you're going to be rescued in a year, and you know you are going to have to take the LSAT on the day you get back. So you study the shit out of that one LSAT and you really, really understand <laughs> yeah. it. Like you actually understand, like you could teach each one of those questions and you get to the point where each one of them makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like for a year, you just study this one test. That would not be the most efficient way to study, but. No, if you had you, one test though, you would cover a whole gamut of difficulty levels and you'd cover all the core concepts. Yeah. Completely. I think the DNA of the test is contained in every single version of the test. Yeah. And you could prepare, not, you know, maybe perfectly, but you could potentially just like get a 170 when you came back from <laughs> when you got rescued. Yeah. Um, because you would under, if you understood just that one, you, you'd, you'd get it, I think. Yeah. And that's much better than just taking 10 tests and not learning anything from yeah. it. Now, this okay. may seem to contradict what you were saying earlier, like, hey, maybe you should just move on from this question. But that's that's because you should really dig in and try to understand every question that you encounter. But if you're spinning wheels and that question is like a one-off question that deals with some random esoteric change in terms, yeah. it's like, look, just move on from it now, go to a next one, and really dive into that. The problem is that people yeah. move on from every question. We're saying right. don't move on from 98% of the questions that you encounter. Every yeah. now and then be if, like, forget it, not for me today. It's gonna. My time is better spent really digging into another question. 
if there's one question on the logical reasoning or one question on the reading comp that you think is bullshit, okay, fine. But, you know, I'll permit you one out of 100. Let it go. But the other 99 are perfect. And not only permit it, but maybe, like, it's good to just move on and go pick up as many points as you can by learning and digging into others that really can click with you in less time. Yep. Cool. Well, um, thank you everyone for listening to the show. You can always email us questions at help at thinking com. We should get to this, um, link at some point. I, I still do think that this, um, <sighs> did you see the link there yeah, yeah. to that PDF? Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know how we, a listener sent this to us. It's, it says two 2016 newcomers, aces squared and you, 101 the basics which is just an awful title slide with awful fonts <laughs> but um it's it's a it's a it's for uh law school admissions professionals yeah. from the LSAC and it's all this instruction shit on how the back end of their uh system works mm-hmm. yeah including some really interesting stuff about like how fee waivers get generated and stuff. I mean, this document is a couple years old, but I'm surprised that it's just out there in the world. What if we do it's, this? What if it, we post it in the show notes and invite people yes. to scour it? Because what, it's like a hundred pages. Yeah, it is a lot. And if anyone is so inclined to figure out how admissions professionals, <laughs> navigate LSAC's horrible <laughs> website with all your information and you find anything that's interesting to us, um, email the show. What about that? I found, yes, exactly. I found specifically, I found page 32 to be pretty comical. Okay. If you scroll down to page 32, you will see a slide that all it says on the entire slide is purging prospects, purging pot prospects. Yeah, that would be, and then ooh, it's got cleaning people. Well, it's got two people, young folks who look like they might be wanting to go to law school, yeah. but they are wearing, yeah, they're wearing janitorial gear <laughs> and it's just, it's like they're, they're wearing gloves <laughs> and they have cleaning solvents and they have sponges and aprons and it's, it's called purging prospects. It's just it's like, I know what they meant was like, Hey, we're going to, you know, you have to clean up your data and there's people in there who are never going to apply or they already applied or whatever. And we want to get them off of our list kind of a thing. But it's like, (laughs) I would imagine that law school applicants seeing this (laughs) would just start to think of themselves as like garbage because it's got this, yep, we're going to purge you from the list and we're going to have to wear rubber gloves while we, while we do it, while we get you off of our, I don't know. This is funny. Well, they have, this is just like the problem with stock photographer too. These people are like perfect looking and they're about to go clean toilets, but their hair is just <laughs> right and their teeth are perfect. Yeah. It's like they're cleaning. Neither of these people have ever cleaned a toilet. Perfect too. What'd you say? Was it no, neither of these people have ever no, cleaned a toilet. No. <laughs> They've all been ever. behind bright white lights <laughs> taking photos. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, we'll post that in the show notes and, um, please do email, um, help at thinking LSAT.com about, uh, anything in this document or, that you're interested in. If you have questions, 
uh, or if you see something interesting and you and you want to um, point it out to us, we'd love to talk about it on the show. Um, you can always email help at thinkingoutside.com if you have any um, questions or comments about anything at all. We love uh, reading listener mail on the show. Send us your uh, selfies when you do that so we can post your face on our um, blog and Instagram and all that stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, you can always uh, join the Facebook group. Did you just say that, by the way? Sorry, I was reading this document. I did not. <laughs> I swear, I listen to you most of the time. Um, Okay, you can always join the uh, Facebook group, our Facebook group. There's a lot of people there asking questions and so forth. Just uh, look, search for uh, Thinking LSAT um, in Facebook. You can always follow us on Instagram at Thinking LSAT. I'm at Innovator Ben. And Nathan, you're at what? I think I'm at Fox LSAT. I don't really use Instagram. Uh, okay, you don't need, I don't okay. know. I hear you. Um, on Twitter, we're at Thinking LSAT. Nathan's at N Fox. I'm at Olson Benjamin. You can find uh, my classes online and in person at strategyprep.com and Nathan's at foxlsat.com. There you go. That was show 191. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. 